When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and on this occasion I am joined by Joel Sked. Hello. And once again we are counting down the 12 best players in the Scottish Premiership in a particular position. Last week we did goalkeepers, this week it's fullbacks. Joel, how did you find this exercise researching for this podcast? I came into it with a bit of... Um trepidation I thought, oh there's, there's going to be some shit on there uh you, you you're asking which players uh fit into full background and center back and marcus fraser like surely he's not putting marcus fraser in his top 12 and then uh by the oh, way my- marcus fraser would be in my top 15 probably okay i mean he's, he's solid enough solid enough i just don't think he's been as good as he's he has been in in, in the past and though he's certainly not i'm sorry to say um I'm the best fullback at submitting, but no, I yeah, actually found it. Uh, actually, found it got to the point where it was uh, kind of tough to make decisions to leave leave some people out. So yeah. there were there were a few players who were left out that um, hard done by. Yeah, um, we can maybe go then because last time when we finished the last one, we didn't really kind of explain any any kind of reasoning for guys that have been left off. And we had a few St. Johnson fans asking us where Xander Clark was. So we'd like to tell you now the reason Xander Clark wasn't in either of our top 12s is because he's not any good. Yeah, I don't think he's had a very good season. He's <laughs> not Johnson... a very good season. He's not a very good, like, three seasons now. So no, that's, but... that's enough. Like, he's, he, used to, he used to be very good when he first came in the team instead of Alan Manis. We were massive fans of Alan Manis, but Clark was the better performing goal at the time. Since his first couple of years, though, he's just consistently not been very good. And it was the same again this season. Like, going back to what I was kind of saying last week, like, judging the keepers over, like, very impressive saves against mistakes they've made, 
I think Clark had made one more or one fewer impressive save than he had mistake this season. He hadn't really done either. He's kind of had a quiet campaign, but still not enough. I think St. Johnson, obviously there's a lot of talk about the goal scoring and lack of goals. I think if they had uh, had a better goalkeeper, I think that could have helped them win games or draw, sorry, uh, draw games that they lost or win games that they drew. I think I saw, I saw somebody argued back, I said Johnson fan argued back saying, uh, I think it was a Johnson fan saying, like on our behalf, saying if, if Clark, if, if Johnson had just an average goalkeeper in, in terms of a top flight, then they would be fifth. Could even be fourth, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, throwbacks. So there's a couple, I'll, I'll get to some at the end that I'll, uh, I'll left. I'll say, like say guys who came a bit close and then we can maybe talk about them uh, briefly once things are wrapped up. But there's a couple that I just kind of left out of, uh, left out of consideration altogether for two reasons. Uh, main, uh, to, to get a bit more variety and not just have as many Celtic and Rangers players. Uh, always mm-hmm. looking to do that with these lists. And also because I've not seen a whole lot of them. There, there's not a big sample size. So I have neither Joe, John, John Joe Kenny of Celtic mm-hmm. or Nathan Patterson of Rangers. Yes, I didn't consider either. No, uh, I think, I think uh, so. Nathan Patterson will, of course, feature on this list uh, many times down the yes, uh, because down of the I, years. If I, I still had a look at, I didn't even look at Kenny at all, but I had a look at Patterson's stats before deciding ultimately to leave them both out. And I think, yeah, <laughs> Patterson probably deserves to be in this list, <laughs> but he's over point of principle, he's not on it. Yeah, on, on talent alone, he is he's definitely deserving of a place on this list. But I think it's it's one of those where you just have to make judgment calls when we do these lists in terms of players who um, going on past reputation, uh, for example, or the lack of game time. And I think I think lack of game time. There's other ones like like Jason Naismith as well. We know what Jason Naismith can do. I think he's been a positive signing for Ross County, certainly in attacking wise. But he's only arrived in the uh, arrived in in January, so it's. Uh, because of the the number of players who were under consideration, I think it was fair to leave players off who have not played that much. Jason Naismith was a weird one because it was somebody that came in my consideration. I don't have him either, but like for instance, a lot of his a lot of his stuff this season has like contradicted. Like, like let me give you an example. Like, so he, he takes a lot of crosses, but his crossing's not been very good this year in terms of picking people out. Mm. He doesn't dribble really much this season, but when he does dribble, he's very successful at it. <laughs> he he's quite he's quite good in one-on-one situations with uh, opposing attackers, but he doesn't get into those very often either. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's like everyone kind of contradicts. So it's just like I don't really know what to make of him. And kind of he's somebody with a, a kind of long background in Scottish football. And but if it hadn't been for the fact he's had a couple of pretty serious injuries, uh and he's not been that great for Curry. He's been all right. Uh, I think maybe if I hadn't been for that injury, uh, then I'd just be more inclined to have him in my top 12 because I've, I've certainly rated him very high in the past. But it's kind of one of those ones where you don't know whether this is just a kind of new version of him uh, and the, the injuries have diminished his abilities as a player. And that's why he didn't come into my top 12. But anyway, let's go on to guys who, who did get in. And uh, at my number 12, the, the pick I'm definitely least happy with. And I probably shouldn't even have in my top 12 at all. The only reason I've got in my top 12 is because I've seen him play at a higher level this season and play a lot better than he's done for, than he showed at any point for his actual club. So number 12, I have Motherwell right back, Stephen O'Donnell. 
snap. <laughs> you must be for the exact no, sorry, sorry. I've, I've been, I've, I was scrolling, scroll, scrolling the wrong way. I've gotten just slightly higher. Slightly higher. You, yeah. you must have been think, thinking the same as me. And that does he deserve to be on here? Probably not. But you just have to figure out that he's a better player than what he's shown for Motherwell because he's showing it when he plays for Scotland in a wing back role as well, which I don't even think necessarily suits him. Yeah, so I did. This is this is something uh, O'Donnell, like O'Donnell. He's when I say slightly higher, he's eleven for my list. Is that he is someone who I initially thought right, I'll put him quite high on because he's got he's such a great reputation. He is a Scotland international. We know how good he has been in the past with Kamarak, how important he was uh, attacking outlet for Kamarak. But I've not been that impressed with him this season. I've no, it's speaking to Graham, asked Graham about him, and he kind of just said he's like, just fine. Yeah. And it, you kind of, kind, of, kind of want more. There's not the marauded fullback that we saw at, at Partick Thistle. There's not really the, you know, assuredly reliable defensive fullback that we saw at Kilmarnock. There's just not been really much of that without their. Without him being kind of terrible as well, like like you said, he's been fine. He's, he's made some big mistakes, he's, but he's also better than Liam Grimshaw. <laughs> That's not usually just what you get need to get into our top 12. But like I say, it's just hard to leave him off with these kind of his performances for Scotland have been good. So you've got to think there's a better player than what he's shown. Yeah, in a way, I think it's kind of telling that he signed a new deal for Motherwell because it, it did seem like he was all set to go down to England. Of course, the, the pandemic happened, so no doubt options maybe dried up. But the fact that he, he signed a short-term deal with Motherwell and then it seems like when's his deal up? And then it just carried on and he's, he's obviously signed on. So I think it's good business for Motherwell because he's, of course, got that capability of being such a uh, a key and crucial player the way he was for Kamarik. We, we've seen it before, how how kind of devastating he is as a fullback. But I think it's it's perhaps that, which is maybe cloudy both our judgment. Okay, he's, he's not been great. Just that even, even more so because we expect him to be even better. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Right, who's your number 12? Richard Tate. Oh, I have a, <laughs> I have a lot higher. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay. He's had an excellent season, and I've always liked him. Anyway, I've always liked him. I've always liked him, but I thought there was uh, there were there were players higher. Basically, I think there's be, there's there's quite a lot of uh, fullbacks who've had good seasons, um, and. Richard Tate, he has been left out a bit by uh, by Jim Goodwin. So there's there's times when he's been on the bench and he's not been a uh, first team starter. But you could see, I, I kind of questioned why Motherwell let him go, and there was kind of noises that maybe that his his legs weren't quite what they were at Motherwell. I think that was completely that was kind of ended up being nonsense because I mean this is one of the fittest players in the league. He's he's an absolute machine. And straight away, I thought it was such a shrewd signing by St. Mirren because he can play as part of a back four and he can play as part of a back three as a wing back and either side as well. You can still see his crossing. He's, he's always been quite a proficient crosser and accurate crosser as well. I think that kind of stands up in the, in the stats. He has made some brilliant... Uh, I think, again, he... Attacking-wise, he's good, but defensively, he, he's, he's, he's very rarely found out he is aggressive, he'll decent in the air. 
he'll make those last bit, uh, last uh, ditch blocks, last ditch uh, attempts. So we've seen it uh, quite early on in the season with St. Mirren. He, he cleared one off the line spectacular, and he, he does have that in his in, in his arsenal. The, the more I talk about, it, the more it's like, why you've got him twelfth? But um, <laughs> I do, I, I like him, and it's, it's probably harsh, but I. Uh, um, I do think there are cases to be made for those who I have uh, further up the list. Uh, yeah, for he's weak in the air. <laughs> that's that's going to be the that's going to be the negative. I'm going to throw on top of your pile there. He's weak in the air, and for something gets in a lot of positions, he hasn't really created many shot assists this campaign. But that might be to do with the fact that most of the St. Mirren's forwards are uh, middling to average. Yeah. Um, Right, my number, I'll get to Tate later on because I've got him quite a bit higher. Uh, my number 11 is St. Johnson left-back Scott Tanza. Right, okay, so I had to make, uh, I've got a, I've got a St. Johnson left-back that isn't Tanza and I've got him slightly higher up. Callum Booth, who also who doesn't make my 12, but did come in at consideration. <clears throat> so for me, my, my judgment call was Booth or Tanza and I'll let you talk about Tanza and I'll explain, explain Booth when I talk about him. Well, Tanzer is just a, a very good creative fullback. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's fair to say. Uh, he takes a lot of crosses. He delivers them at a good percentage in terms of finding the target. Uh, moves quite proficiently with the ball. Uh, creates a number of. Uh, I think he's. I of all the kind of. I put, basically pulled up spreadsheet. I made a spreadsheet basically for all the kind of main stats for every kind of starting fullback in the league, pretty much, and. Tanza ranked sixth for shot assists per ninety minutes, which when you can, which when you think of the guys who are ahead of them, like they're all Celtic and Rangers players, I think pretty much maybe with one exception. Uh, he's also not. I think in terms of his defensive abilities, sometimes not the best, uh, but I don't think he's terrible either. He, he's quite. He's, he's still fairly. He's a decent size, so he's fairly good in the air. Uh, he makes quite a lot of interceptions. So I just think there's a lot to his game. And I think, I mean, I did consider, I, I considered picking both of them as a cheat. Um, but then yes, I, same. I, I, but then I, I, I thought I was going to get told off from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to do that if I could pick them at number 12. But then once I was like, nah, I'm going to shoehorn Odoro at 12. So I was like, I'm not going to do it at 11. That's just, that's just kind of being a bit too fast with the rules in the first couple of picks. Uh, but just, I think that Tanzer's, probably a better all-round kind of defender than Booth. And I think they're both kind of equally good going forward. And the fact that Tanzer's a much better kind of threat from set pieces in terms of shooting, I think pushed them over the top for me. They're very similar. I can certainly see why Callum Davidson is kind of happy to rotate them in and out. And Booth started the cup final where Tanzer didn't. So you can maybe point to that being a case why Booth's ahead of him. But I just think, I think Tanzer's just a slightly better of the two overall. Okay, that's uh, that's fair. I mean, I, uh, I can't argue much with, with Tanzer. I, I like him. I think he's developed well at St. Johnston because I think we certainly had uh, um, question marks about certain aspects of his game uh, previously. But uh, well, I'll get to Booth, get to Booth uh, later on. My, uh, do you want to get? Do you want me to see my number ten? Uh, your number eleven. So your number eleven is O'Donnell, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So we'll go with my number ten. And my number ten's uh, Livingston right back, Nicky Devlin. Okay, so I have him just a wee bit higher. Yeah, um, Devlin didn't have a great start to the season, which certainly no. worked, worked against him in my list. Uh, a lot of Livy fans were happy to drive him to his next destination. Uh, but since around about, pretty much since David Martindale uh, took 
complete charge of Livingston, shall we say. I think he's been pretty excellent and there's not a lot to say about Devlin other than the fact that his pace and ability to to run with the football is what makes him uh, the player he is. He's one of the best in the league at running with the ball and as a result of that gets a lot of touches in the box, makes a lot of kind of things happen. One thing is that he's not for somebody who gets into positions as often as he does, again, somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of shot assists, but once again, that could be to do with the forwards that he's trying to pick out. Livingston haven't really had that focal point all campaign, certainly not in the manner they did last season. Guys have come in and have done a jobs for games at a time. Scott Tiffany done surprisingly well there early in the season. Scott Robinson had a period where he done well. J. Emmanuel Thomas is showing something. Uh, Paplatnik's kind of doing similar, uh, but they, they don't have that kind of real guy to aim for. So I maybe wouldn't hold that against them too much. But yeah, in terms of Devlin, I mean, the guy's just, he's a fun player to watch because he's just so quick. He must be one of the fastest players in the league. Yeah, so what you said there is, is is bang on, especially about his start to the season. I mean, his performance against Hibs was absolutely abhorrent. He got subbed off after 45 minutes. He looked like a goalkeeper who'd asked, been asked to play fullback. It was <laughs> turned inside and out. And I think we talked about it previously in the season when I think it was Martindale at Tanadice, where he was screaming about uh, like just wanting to stop the cross. Devlin never looked like stopping any cross, uh, certainly at the start of the season. So he has he's had he's been had an interesting season, but when he's on his game, he is a hugely destructive force both ways, uh, as uh, defensively and um, and and an attacking sense. When he isn't, he, he can look really really bad. But I think. I've, I've, I've pushed him up the list because I've, I've looked for the, the good in him and I know uh, Livingston, some Livingston fans were looking for him to be called up for the Scotland team. I don't think that was going to happen. I think probably Sean Rooney's ahead of him uh, and a few others are ahead of him, uh, right back position. But I think there has been enough because of his good performances, before, because of his positive impact on the team to for me to push him. I think I've got him eighth. Right, so who's but, your number 10? My number 10, either you've got him uh, a lot higher up or you just don't have him on your list, is Jamie Robson. Oh, I don't have him at all. No. Okay. I think that Dundee United fans would probably say that Liam Smith is their better fullback. Yes, but, I would I would say so as well. <laughs> and he's more highly regarded. But yeah, actually, when I've watched United, I've actually been really impressed with Robson, especially at the start of the season. And I I really like he's, I think he's someone who can chip in both ways, very combative. I think he's decent. Oh, yeah. He is is combative as fuck. Yeah, he's really aggressive. I like I, I just really like that in in, in a fullback. And I think it's it's without um without uh, saying specifics, looking at uh, Y Scout uh, to look at Robinson, he has he's, he's one of the better fullbacks in there in terms of winning his aerial duels. He reads the game well and intercepts the ball, and uh, he, he absolutely does put uh, put himself about and get up and down up and down the flak. And the fact, uh, the, probably one thing that's made him stand out more than maybe Liam Smith or other fullbacks for me is. He came through the academy, he was really highly rated, and then he just seemed to fall off a cliff. And obviously there was uh, off-field incidents. Uh, and then I kind of thought it's like he's... Ma- Allegedly he's involving gonna- a drink called Venom. Yes, he is not going to make the most of his, his promise, his talent. And 
seeing that we were starting the game, starting for United when they came back up to the Premiership, I kind of kept an eye on him. And again, going back to something I've said, is that especially at the start of the season, I was really impressed with him. And he's, he's, he's kept in there, he's been consistent enough. So he is, he's probably, I think he's probably my second surprise entrant. Okay, I've got a surprise one coming up next. So uh, I'm fine with this pick for you, other than I, t- I don't think he does enough going forward. I think that he, he does a lot. He's got a lot of enthusiasm for it. Yes. Uh, but he doesn't uh, have the. He, 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 um, his crossing's he, very poor. Very yes, poor. He, he doesn't have the. He doesn't have the final third quality, but I think that's certainly something that needs, uh, needs to be worked on. It is something you can work on. Uh, you, you do notice it with players. Uh, actually. Listening to Marvin Bartley's interview with, with um, Open Goal uh, the, the other day, and he was saying how Eddie Howe, basically Kieran Trippy, when he was at Bournemouth, like couldn't cross the ball at all, and Eddie Howe just kind of made the point of saying, right, you need to work on this, and then he just stayed behind after training for like an hour every day, just whipping balls, and then eventually became one of the best crossers of the ball in the country, if not the world, and. So you, I, I think it is a skill that you, you can get better at. You need to kind of have the, the kind of natural ability and then you're just basically, it's from that point forward, it's, it's basically like muscle memory. It's like a basketball mm. player hitting a three-pointer. You're, you're, just trying to, you're just trying to get your your body doing the right things and, and picking out targets. And then once once you practice it enough times, you will get better. And you will need to do that if he's going to become a top fullback in this position, yeah. in my opinion. You've already got him being one of the top fullbacks. For me, I wouldn't even have had him in my top 15. Uh, oh, okay. I just, I just think there's, there's just too many too many flaws in his game so far. He also, I think for somebody as kind of energetic and athletic as he is, I think he could run a bit more with the football and a bit better while he's doing so as well. Right, my number nine, which I don't think you're going to have, uh, this is a <laughs> this is something that I've quite I've rated for a, a, quite a few years. I always thought he looked like a decent player. He never really stands out because he plays for the least fashionable team in the league in one of the least fashionable positions. But I just think he's always solid, and I like him as a footballer. I've got Hamilton left back Scott McMahon. I've got him higher. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. I have got him higher. I've got uh, so twelve tonight. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of places higher. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> I, did not, I did not expect that for somebody who uh, does doesn't really like. You would never actually think. You would never look at Scott McMahon and think he's a decent attacking player. Uh, mainly as well because he can often fill in uh, on the as the kind of left sided centre back of a back three. Yeah, and he's not bet placed with great pace. He doesn't really move with power. He doesn't look like much of an athlete. But he's good at crossing. He's quite, he's good, actually, surprisingly good at running with the ball. Uh, he sets up a lot of chances. It's kind of some of the, the, the kind of knocks on his game uh, is, and he's quite of, he's solid enough defensively. I don't think he's a, as a, a, like a shutdown defender, but he, he, he does a job. He, he can, he, he doesn't really let you down. He's reliable. He's reliable and he continues, and he contributes to the final third. And I think in the modern day, that's all you really can ask for a fullback, regardless of how flashy or not they look. Yeah, so I think at times this season, Hamilton fans, he's coming for a bit of criticism. But I think all, basically all Hamilton uh, players are coming for uh, a bit of criticism. Yes, someone like you, I, I've always thought there's definitely a player in there, but I've always been, always never really thought of him as a wing-back. I just, like you said, I think he's he's, he's a left-sided centre-back in the back three or a left-back. A left he is someone 
that I'd probably coming into this didn't uh, so he was one of the names I wrote down I wrote him him and Hodson down because I think Hodson's had a decent season as well not nearly as decent as McMahon so he was originally in my uh, kind of long list of fullbacks and then when kind of going through them use like looking at why I had to realise how important he was to Hamilton's attacking output like how how like going through what you said in terms of his dribbling fourth best in the league in terms of accuracy Uh, he's he's, uh, set up four goals his crossing's good as he sets up chances so from someone who I thought was just more of a left back he has been very very important to Hamilton and that's that's why I've got him got him seventh He's had 1.1 shot assists per game for a Hamilton player. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm going to check this now, see if there's anybody else that's got over one that's not an old firm player. Uh, give me a second. Right. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> He's literally the only player, uh, only fullback that uh, has uh, over one shot assist per game that is not, uh, it's not a Rangers fullback or Greg Taylor. And you consider, uh, sorry, my dog just walked in the room, so if there's any background noise, it'll be him. Uh, the, the, you also have to consider that Hamilton is, uh, they don't have a lot of the ball, which makes it even <laughs> even, even more, they, they defend deep. It's it's, it's remarkable. So either uh, either there's some uh, skew stats kicking about, uh, but I, I do, I think he's, I think he's been, I think he's been decent, uh, more than decent. I think he's been, he's been, he's been good, boarding on very good this season. Uh, who's your number nine? My number nine is Callum Booth. Ah right, yes. So, uh, so yeah, you want to, you want to wax lyrical about Mister Booth? Yeah. So again, it was hard to separate Booth and Tanz. I had them both written down. I was going to cheat and uh, just have them both because they've essentially shared the same role this season. But Booth was a couple of years below me at school, so us Harrington boys have to stick together, <laughs> and that is why I have uh, I've opted for Booth over Tanza. Now, Hamilton. Sorry, Hamilton. St Johnston. A big, big part of their game has been crossing. Give me two seconds, and uh, I'm sure they have. Uh, they're one of the most. Uh, they cross the ball. Third yeah, think, most in the league. Is it third, third most? Yeah, third most in the league. Um, it was second most earlier in the season. Hips have just edged them out. Right. Very, very, very little between them. But yeah, they, they they cross the ball a lot. You mentioned that Tanzer's very good uh, in attacking sense. He is. I think maybe Booth is a wee bit more for a more rounded player. He has the he has the best crossing accuracy in the league. Yeah, that was wild because he does. He takes quite a few as well. Yeah, so it's and, and Tanzer's the crossing accuracy is decent. So is Rooney's, but uh, nothing compared to Booth. Uh, so I think that over, is over fifty percent. It's, it's yeah. wild. Fifty-two percent. It's, it's, it's <laughs> absolutely mental, and I think that's that's when you have something like that. That is that's massive for St. Johnson the way uh, the way they play. I don't think he's let them down at all. You think he's he was one of those signings which seemed like a good squad player, but he's came in and I think he's he's probably a wee bit more defensively solid than Tanzer. And I think maybe that uh that balance kind of helps out with Rooney on the right hand side. So yeah, I got no no issue with Tanzer, but I I've uh, I'm really pleased for for Calum Booth. I I've not spoken to him in in a few years, but it's always good to see him and in, in, in doing well because there's at times I think is is he going to be kick on and be a Premiership player, uh, and he, and he has and he's I thought maybe his his time was up when he left Dundee United as a potential for Premiership came in at St Johnson and he is uh, he's impressed. 
Yes, uh, like I said earlier, uh, came very close to making my list. My number eight, might this might seem a little low, uh, and, and I'll come on to the reasons, uh, but my number eight is Hibbs right-back slash centre-half, Paul McGinn. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've got number one or something, haven't you? <laughs> very close, dude. <laughs> right, I'll, <laughs> I'll explain why for this. I think... There is undoubted. Uh, if we're going on just this season alone, I think I would. So yeah, this is the this is the twelve best players. This doesn't necessarily have to mean best this season. As we kind of alluded to with uh, Stephen O'Donnell at number twelve, and I think if we're talking about this season alone, I, I would probably have uh, McGinn in my top three. Uh, the reason I don't is I think he's got I think he's got the ideal situation for him at Hibs uh, in the team he's playing in. Uh, if, he, if he plays in as part of a, a four, he typically has Martin Boyle in front of him, which means that he doesn't really have to, at this stage of his career, he doesn't really have to do a lot of re- attacking and kind of focus on his defence. His, his attacking numbers generally aren't that kind of uh, standout this season anyway because he's, he's played a lot of times in a back three, but he still does get forward a fair amount. Uh, Hibs give their kind of, Hibs give their, centre-halves on either side the kind of freedom to do that he's been very good when he has been in the final third as well he's kind of he's shown a lot of the fact that he's got a lot of experience in the game now I think he's about 30 now he's somebody that I've always every time he's been in the top flight I've always thought he was a decent player Uh, but I do think that Hibbs is like the ideal situation and is getting the, the best out of him for this and I just don't think in terms of ability and talent there are so if you could have took some of the players I've got ahead of them and put them in a situation like Hibs, I think they would do just as well, if not mm. better, kind of thing, uh, or or at least put them into a situation that's just that advantageous to their skills, and and so I think McGinn has been helped out in that factor, but there's no doubt he has been consistently excellent for Hibs this this campaign. I'll speak about about speak about about half an hour's time. Is your number eight? The help of a number of these 12, 11, 10, 9. So eight, eight was Devlin. Right, it was Devlin. And seven, seven was McCann for me. So we, we've both, I've spoken about them both. Okay, let's go into my number seven and six. So my number seven, I've got Richard Tate. Okay. Uh, so a wee bit higher up from earlier on. Yeah. Um, yep. I've already kind of talked about, I've already spoken about Tate. Uh, just a very kind of good crosser of the ball. Somebody, a lot of touches in the box for, for a fullback. Uh, a lot of passes to the final third. Somebody who's just kind of very progressive can play. I guess should be said as well. Can play on the left or the right very easily. Seems to play on the left a lot more, despite the fact mm-hmm. he's right footed. Um, but he's somebody that's he, especially as well at the start of the season. He was in excellent form for St Mirren, and he has been out with the team at times. But I think more often than not, he's in the starting eleven. And it certainly going back to the point we said earlier, it was a mistake for Motherwell to, to get rid of him, especially since of the fullbacks that Motherwell had on their books last season. He's the best. Yeah, so I, I mean, I uh, it's looking, kind of talking about my list so far. Um, I would certainly would have bumped them up, certainly a couple of places, a couple of places. I, I really like Richard Tate, and uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this and like fucking that cunt's got me twelve. <laughs> and doesn't like me. Okay, number six. We're at the top half. My number six is Celtic's reserve left back Diego Laxalt. Same. Hey, there we go. We agree on something. Um, I, I mean, Laxall gets a lot of stick and justifiably in some cases, but I think it's, it's fair to say if you take him away for Celtic 
and put him in another team in this league, he will look a lot better. The fact that he struggles so much for Celtic is that the weakest part of his game is his crossing. And he's got the second worst crossing accuracy of any fullback I looked at. And when you're playing at Celtic, and you, especially the, the kind of setup of this team this season, so a lot of times they've played, so a lot of times they've played with a three-five-two, which means that the onus is on you as, as a left-sided uh, wing back to to put in a lot of decent balls. You can't do that. They've played uh, in a diamond again. Onus is on the left back to get up and get balls in the box. He's not done that. And even looking at games recently when they've gone back to the four-two-three-one. On the left is Mohamed El Yunusi, who doesn't play on the left. So the onus is still on the left back to, to put balls in the box. And that's not Diego lacks out strength. He's not good at crossing at all. What he is good at is he's very combative. He's he's great at a really good tackler. Uh, somebody very good at breaking up play, can drive forward, runs a lot with the ball, uh, gets forward, makes himself an option. Something that if you were the fan of any other club except for Rangers or Celtic, you would be... Loving this player, uh, loving the way that he plays the game, but just co- just because of what's required from him at Celtic, yeah, under- understandably not a popular player. Yeah, so this is uh, he was he was essentially someone I thought right. He's got to be in there because he is obviously a very good player, but I just put him midway because he is because he is a very good player, but because he's not been good enough for Celtic this season. Yeah, uh, I do, do like he, he dribbles with the. He said, "I can't really add much to you." To you, he dribbles with the the ball very well. I like the fact that he's he's quite fouly as well. You um, that adds to his kind of combative, combative streak because it'd be easy just to uh, as a Celtic player kind of just be standoffish, and if you're not really up for the physical aspect of it, he he is. He's been he's just been he's, he's decent enough, just not what Celtic needed. Or did. Just he just had to be better than better for what Celtic needed. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Right, we're into the top fives now. Yep. I'm wondering if there's anybody here in mind that you don't have at all. Oh right, shit! My- oh shit! <laughs> I think you've forgotten my number five. <laughs> I think I've got. Uh, I've got. I think I've got one too many players. Okay, next time, number them. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, Lacks up with seven for me. Right, okay, so he's got six. Right, who's your Bloody number hell. six? <laughs> who's your, okay, we're not in the top five. Who's your number six? Hold on. 12, 11, <laughs> 10, 9, 8, Who's seven, been replaced six, by Duncan Mackay? Five, four, three, two. Yeah, I've got 13 players of us. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've got. I've got. I've got thirteen. Um. So. <laughs> um. So yeah. Okay. Essentially, I am. Um. I'm doing this on the whim. Richard Tate moves up two spaces. Stephen O'Donnell. Sorry, you've dropped off the top twelve. So yes, uh, Diego Lacks was my numbers. Uh, but <laughs> the number six. Right. Okay. Right. So we're out of the top fives after all. Okay. Yes. Right. My number five is Hibernian left back Josh Doig. Same. Hey, here we go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of came into this thinking, right, I'm going to have a feeling that Doig is going to be lower down in my list. And 
that's going to annoy Hibs fans. Because I'm basically, my, my thought process was that there has been times this season where he's de- defensively looked a bit suspect. He's had to be kind of withdrawn from games as, as a result of that. He's been taken out the side at points. And, and I mean, that speaks to, to very good management from, from Jack Ross that he's done that. And maybe I shouldn't have used that against uh, the, the player, but at the same time, I'm kind of saying for McGinn, like in an ideal situation, he's in a very good situation for himself as well. And that kind of has to come into play. However, He's just also just very good at a lot of things. So it's hard not to have him this high up. He, he's very good at running with the ball. Uh, most in the league, uh, sorry, most in the league for a fullback in terms of dribbles attempted per 90 minutes. Gets into the box a lot. Uh, he's puts in a number of crosses. He, in terms of his dribbling ability, I think that's maybe the one thing he's not particularly good at. Uh, he kind of loses the ball a lot of time, but he's young. That's going to happen. That's I'm not going to hold that against him too much. His crosses... Fine. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily bad. It's not. It's not kind of elite level, but it, it's certainly enough there to work with and, and can get better. Uh, but he also, what I like about him as well is just he's also a very energetic and combative player and someone who insists himself upon a game. And for a young player to do that, even for fullback, where it is a bit easier uh, because you have the kind of game in front of you, it, it's still very impressive for somebody to come and be that confident and have that impact on matches that Doig is having. Yeah, big thing. I think I think this has been a massive, massive season for Doig. Obviously, he's got game minutes, but just the experience aspect of it of uh, being t- taken in and out of the team by Jack Ross. He's he struggled at times. I think he needs that. That that's fine. A young player needs that, and it'll help his help his development. He's working under Lou Stevenson, who of course Doig has such is a much higher ceiling of. Uh, Talent, potential, etc., etc., and Stevenson. But it, he's just—I think Stevenson's someone who's experienced so much. Is just such a, a great role model. It's, it's been said so many times before. You know who Doig, Doig reminds me of? The, the, there's aspects of his game certainly remind me of, and it is uh, Kieran Tierney. Just his, yeah. his his build, the way he moves, it is he looks like someone who. And I know he's he's done this before with through uh, youth teams uh, played. He can play centre back. I think he, there's he there's there's he's got the qualities in him that he can play centre back, left back, and uh, left wing back. Obviously, centre back preferably in a in a in a back three. I remember going to see uh it was a Hearts Hibs reserve cup match a couple last year or eighteen months ago or so, and the game was terrible. It was shit pitcher. Um, there was a load of shit players on the uh, on 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 the pitch in terms of what they are aiming to do. Doig was by far the best player on the pitch. I came away thinking he is he's going to be uh, he's going to be a very uh, very very good player, and I'd be very surprised if he didn't make it. Remember asking it was Lee Mako was the coach at the time for Hibs, asking him about him, and he he did mention that the Hibs. At the time, had hopes for him as a centre back, but no, he's he, he's he's such such a good player, and let's say he's got so many attributes. He's not a specialist at anything, which is so encouraging at that age. There's areas to develop, but nothing that Hibs fans go, oh, he's, he's, there's a real weakness there that I can't see him getting better at. So, out of the players who have come through at Hibs, or the players that they've bought, he has the highest, probably have the high, highest ceiling of the, the, the current team and the player that they're going to make the most money on. And released by Hearts. Yes. Good decision. Good decision there. Fuds. Right. Number four. I think we might have. Oh, wait, no, because you've got. Oh, wait. What the fuck have you got Paul McGinn? <laughs> Oh no! So so, jo- 
Josh Doig was my number six. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, yeah. is, your, so is your five McGinn? No, my five five Sean Rooney. Right, okay. I'll have about four, so we can just both talk about him now. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, Sean Rooney, uh, just a force of nature. Uh, and, and I can say kind of a poor man's James Tavernier, just in terms of the, the sheer force that is coming down that right-hand side. Obviously, he's not got Tavernier's free kick ability. Uh, but just like for, for somebody playing for right back with so much power and not pace, but kind of moving, moving, like dribbling with that power, it, like the ability to to almost run through people. Here's, um, here's what I think a Scottish right back should be. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, there's so many things like he's quite creative as well. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, shot assists, he's just outside the, the top 10 in terms of starting fullbacks. Uh, gets into the box a lot, but still kind of has defensive aspects to his game. He's obviously kind of like, I think he's a converted centre-back, so he's, he's good in the air. He's good in one-on-one uh, matchups with opposing attackers. He, he plays he plays defensively like he does going forward, and that he's quite, um, quite attacking, quite aggressive, quite progressive, uh, makes a lot of interceptions. And yeah, it's just in the couple of things that he's maybe not so good at. Doesn't cross his per ninety or a little low, but he's in terms of his crossing accuracy, he's quite good. So he's, mm-hmm. it's just maybe something he should do more of. Kind of things. So it's like just the courage of like, yeah, you're, you're you're scoring these goals and and being just such as this really important player down St. Johnson's right hand side. But you could actually even be doing more in the final third, which is quite incredible to see considering his meteoric rise since January. He's another one who can fit into that uh, genre of fullbacks who can play centre back. Because I remember watching the Dundee United game. I think this is the Dundee United game, the two-two game in January. It was a really good game. St Johnson again were by far the better team that didn't come away with three points. And it, was, it, was, it seemed to be a, a wee bit of a turning point just because they played Melamed and Kane. And I thought that was this, that was a game that Rooney played as a right wing back. Because obviously McNamara went back to. Uh, went back to Millwall and I'm sure I'm sure Rooney played as a right centre back in a back three but he was coming bombing out of uh, bombing out of defence and he was he was excellent but then moving him to right wing back he's just he's just an absolute just a force of force of nature and the way he moves just his ability just to carry the team up the pitch quickly directly I would quite like, and out of anyone on this on this list, there's no one better in there. He's just at times unstoppable. That goal in the Betfred Cup final, where was it, was it the Betfred Cup final? Yeah, it was the Betfred Cup final where he just held off John Guffrey. It was just absolutely incredible. Not, just not an easy, not an easy task, right there. No, exactly. Just how he held him off with one arm and then just created that power with his uh, with his forehead. I think he is. Uh, he's quite the character as well. I think he's, uh, he has that kind of gallusness that you you want from from your players in, in Scotland. And going forward, I'd quite like them to see him score more from open play. But in terms of getting in at the back post from the balls on the left hand side, I think he could be such uh, such a threat there. 
when you see looking like a winger going up against him is that you're going to have to be very smart to play against him because he just his physical attributes that he just he he can close down space so well he can just knock you off the ball he can match pace wise on the turn you're just going to have to be very intelligent against him and he's, he's someone that I, I really really like yeah right number your number four is Paul McGinn Yes. Why you've got four four whole places higher than me? So, give state the case why McGinn deserves to be in the top four. So I, I have not just based on this season, but based on kind of since he arrived at Hibs. I remember Hibs signing him. I'm thinking, well done, Hibs. That's great if you want to finish mid table at best. <laughs> and he is coming and being he's been he's been so solid and reliable. I messaged. I found the Hibs, I did find the Hibs players quite um, difficult to play. So originally I came into it thinking, right, Doig's going to be ahead of him again, just because Doig is clearly, he's going to be the better player. He's got so much uh, potential and talent. And then I wanted to get Tony's, uh, Tony's input. Paul McGinn has been utterly crucial in Hibbs' ability to change shape at different stages of the season. I find him reliable defensively, energetic and proactive at his average. At his best, I've I've been shocked at his swashbuckling style, willingness <laughs> to get in the box, play one-twos, drive at teams in attacking sense. And he, he said that his, his, his influence in attacking sense has been obviously diluted with Boyle coming back in and playing uh, wing-back. He is second best, I found this mesmerising, in... Uh, 1v1 and dribble like taking on players not not just not defensively but taking on players and I think his uh, he perhaps doesn't get the headlines he's, 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 he's not as sexy as other players in the Hibs team you're looking uh, or like a big name like Porteous uh, Nisbet Jackson Irving Josh Stroig etc etc I just look at him and think he is he is a player that every team needs it's not quite. It's not quite like. It's not like the, the John O'Shea. Uh, when it goes far, John O'Shea fills in at every, kind of every single position. But just someone who turns up and puts in at least seven, uh, seven out of ten uh, every every game, and can play in different positions. I look at him in his kind of Hearts version, uh, sort of Hibs version of Michael Smith. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably fair. Um, I mean, I've said the reasons why I didn't have him quite that I, high. I, I, as, as soon as, as soon as Tony said uh, typed the word swashbuckling, I was like, right, okay, he is going high. <laughs> so t- Tony won it right. So Tony won it for me with swashbuckling. Fair enough. Right out of the top three now. Now I think we've both got the same guy at number three. I'm interested to see if because I think last year we had Barisic one in Tavernier two. So I'll be, I'll be intrigued to see if uh, we've we've swapped that around this time and there's a consensus on that. But number three, uh, Greg Taylor of Celtic. Yeah, Greg Taylor is, I think, is an underrated attacking presence. Yes, and I think, well, Laxalt, I kind of went over the points why Laxalt doesn't fit Celtic. I don't think Taylor is that bad of a fit. I think, I think it's just the fact that he's on a, a team that's... Firstly, he's fucking replacing Kieran Tierney, right? <laughs> it's like you sold Tierney for what twenty five million. You're not going to get a replacement. You're, you're just not going to get somebody as good as that, unless you're very, very lucky. And they've got Greg Taylor. He's not as good as Kieran Tierney. I don't think anybody's going to say that. But he is, uh, in terms of Scottish Premiership, he's a very good left back. And Celtic have already shown this season that in trying to uh, improve upon him, they've not really managed it. Now, Taylor. 
I think the knock on Taylor is that his crossing isn't good enough for Celtic, but the numbers say that his crossing is fine. It's not yeah. amazing at it, but percentage of success, a success rate of 35.9 this season is fine. It's absolutely fine. It's kind of for fullbacks, it's slightly, it's kind of slightly high middle of the pack. Could you want better that of your Celtic? Yes, undoubtedly. But there are also aspects to his game which there are he's certainly not middle of the pack. His his tenacity from fullback, how good a defender he is, his uh, his willingness to get forward, he, the fact that he seems to have infinite energy and he's always bounding up down that left hand side. There, there's a lot of Greg Taylor again, similar to Laxalt, plays for any other team in the league, maybe even probably Rangers as well. Um, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm not saying he's as good as Barisic, but if Barisic had any length of time out and Greg Taylor was a backup fullback, Rangers fans would be delighted with that. I think it's just because he'd be playing in a better team. Where And, and again, going back to the kind of reasons I was saying earlier about the way that Celtic have, have featured, uh, have attacked teams at points this season and maybe wouldn't show up as much weaknesses. And I don't know, I think Greg Taylor, I think Diego Laxalt will leave Celtic in the summer, head back to, to Milan. Uh, but I think that Greg Taylor, if he stays... It, and it, I mean, you'd imagine he will stay uh, past next season. He's certainly under contract, and I wouldn't think Celtic would, would sell him uh, unless the new manager doesn't, doesn't fancy him at all. But if a new manager comes in, gets Celtic looking like a, a functioning team for most of the campaign, then Greg Taylor will have a good season. Yeah, uh, he is. He just, he's for me, just the epitome of solid and, and reliable. And sometimes, again, that is not sexy enough for a team like Celtic. And is like you mentioned, he's come in to replace Tierney. I think he's always on hiding to nothing. And it seems to me that it's going to go two, uh, one of two ways. Is He'll stay with Celtic for a number of years. And when he leaves, he'll leave with a number of trophies and Celtic fans going, you know what? He's been, he, he's been a good pro. He's been a... Um, uh, he's been absolutely fine, dependable, reliable, all those all those qualities, and he'll go with uh, a lot of respect. Or Celtic will go out and buy, spend uh, a few million on another left-back who'll come in and um, do may- maybe do just as well, but be looked upon as being better just because there's been that... Uh, Taylor's been Tierney's replacement, whereas there's been a bit of space before the new guy comes in. Yes, right. Let's get into our top two. Who have you got number two? I have... I've gone Borna Barisic, but so there's I've, a caveat. So have I. I've gone Borna Barisic number two as well, which obviously means our number one is James Tavernier. But yeah. let, let, let's start with Barisic first. Barisic, in terms of actual talent, is by far the best fullback in this league. No, but by far. James Tavernier is not very good. So I, <laughs> and he is... <laughs> On his actual day, he is the best. Uh, take it by far. He is the best. He's the best fullback in the league, and one of the best best players. He's, he's he is a fullback who does everything. He's he's really good in the air. He is such a great attacker defensively. I would wouldn't like coming up against him because as a fullback, he's probably got the the ideal shape or body body shape build for a fullback, and the fact that he. Um, 
he, he's got long strides. He's, he's built well. He's, he's physically developed. He physically handled himself, like I said, good in the air. So there's this, there's kind of this commanding presence, ideal for set pieces, but it doesn't inhibit him going forward. He's still, even though he doesn't bomb forward like uh, like Sean Rooney, um, I, I still reckon he, he moves just as quick, but he does it in a much more... Um, he just, he just look uh, the way he strays. Just does a much more kind of calming fashion. Everything, kind of everything about him is just. Uh, he puts numbers on the board. He's very productive. He's just a very, very good football player. Yes, and technical in terms of technical ability, then yeah, I would say he's number one. I still think, I still think some of the physical attributes maybe come into with Tav and. <sighs> And also, as we'll get to, we'll speak to Tav, kind of defensive ability as well. You can move, aye, Barisic probably has the, the edge in them in that two facets as well. So, you can maybe say overall, uh, but I, I remain unconvinced. Uh, but obviously, he's an outstanding player. Early in the season, his crossing percentage was wild. It was over 50% and he was taking the most in the league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even now, even even now, both him and, I think both him and Tavernier are the, the, of by far the, uh, the most... Um, <clears throat> Two players to cross the ball by far the most in the in the league, and even now, for the amount of, the amount they cross the ball, it's still pretty accurate. Uh, Tavernier's actually behind Taylor, uh, but yeah, yeah Barisic, so Barisic is out in front. Yeah, they, but they're like top top five or certainly top ten, maybe. Ah, yeah. Then yeah, in terms of just I'm just looking at fullbacks. Uh, aye, the the top three is Bar- Barisic, Taylor, and Tavernier, mm. and then Tanzer after that. And then Ross Millen, who uh, is not featured at all. Oh, in terms of crossing accuracy, it'll be um, Booth will be top. Oh, in terms of accuracy, yeah. Sorry, I was meaning crossings uh, per ninety minutes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Accuracy, Booth is number one. It's uh, surprisingly a couple of Kelly players there, and McGowan and Waters, then Tate, uh, then Rudy, then Barisic. Yeah. So I mean, uh, for because they cross the ball so much, like in being in like the kind of top. Top ten times accuracy is, is still is still very very good. Especially when Rangers have loads of players in the box. No, but also as well, it's a crowded box every time you're crossing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, you're not you're not usually. It's harder to pick out a target, and you've got a crowded box is always is always better for the defensive team, and they're going to face and he will face a lot of crowded boxes because teams have just sit back on Rangers, and certainly will have done more so as the season's gone on, and they've just been you know, in the league invincible to this point. Right, number one, James Tavernier. Yeah, always, always fine when we get to number one. We don't really, not much to say. <laughs> not much to say just because it is... Uh, it's very good. Uh, it's very, very good. Of course, he's number one. <laughs> I thought, I mean, what is it to say about Tavernier that you don't really know? Scores incredible free kicks. Uh, scores goals quite often, either penalties or just getting in the box to finish chances at the back post. Uh, creates a lot of opportunities for teammates. Uh, always, I mean, the most adventurous fullback I've maybe ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, I mean, Scottish football at least. Uh, the blue Cafu, he certainly lives up to that kind of moniker in a in a kind of poor man's way. Still and- think I still think this has been the case ever since he arrived. He gets too much um, too much criticism for his uh, apparent defensive inadequacies. Yes, he's got a he's lot. Okay, he's not the best defensive uh, fullback, but. Fucking hell, he's still a very good defensive fullback. He's a good defensive one-on-one defender. Yeah. I think uh, he's good because he's got good size. He doesn't let players up by him very often. He's he's good in the air. It's he's it's always been his positioning and uh, awareness and maybe anticipation that have let him down in the past. But all of them have got better uh, as he's played in the top flight. I think this season 
maybe even his best defensive campaign to date. He's he certainly made very few mistakes, and you can't have you can't have a defense as, as watertight as that Rangers won the season and have your right back being a defensive liability. So he's no longer. Let's just let's just bin that forever. Tavernier is not a defensive liability. Yeah, so he has had he's, he's had he had a couple of brain farts last season, but it was part of a bigger brain fart of Rangers in general when they come, came back from Dubai. But this season, I think he's been um, he's, he's bordering on perfect. Yeah. He still has these stretches. I think this is why we dumped, bumped him down to number two last time, where he kind of, he'll just have these periods where it's like, it's almost like a couple of months at a time where he just doesn't seem quite on it. And he's not, he's kind of best and he seems to have them every campaign. But if he didn't have that, I mean, Christ, <laughs> he would have scored about 30 goals this season. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, the clubs. Uh, were you said to go to this? I was going to say yeah. If he, he doesn't, if he managed to do that for an entire campaign every season, would it just be that much of a goal threat all the time from fullback? Other clubs would have bought him. Are you surprised that he signed a new contract? Yes, yes, slightly. I mean, you go reading, uh, reading different stuff. He seems very happy at, at Rangers. I mean, he's captain of a massive team. He's going to play in the Champions League next season. But it was it kind of thought. Now that he's kind of achieved that Scottish Cup, uh, Scottish Premiership, that he thought maybe he'd fancy himself in the um, EPL. In the EPL, but I mean, fair play, he's 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 not going to move into the uh, the Premier League and sign for a team probably in the Champions League. So, uh, yeah, I can understand why he stayed. Right, so last time we agreed on a, on our definitive top twelve, and I've pretty much just done one written down. Let me know if you have any sort of major quabbles with this. Uh, so I punted Jamie Robson to fuck. Okay, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say. <laughs> so number twelve, I've got Stephen O'Donnell. Yep. Now uh, we'll need to do rock paper scissors for this. We're on Zoom, so we can do this. Tanzer or, or Callum Booth. So rock paper scissors, right? On three, one, two, three, go. <laughs> ah, you beat me. So number eleven, we've got Callum Booth. Then at uh, 10, Nicky Devlin, 9, Scott McMahon, 8, Richard Tate, 7, Diego Laxalt, 6, Josh Doig, 5, Paul McGinn, 4, Sean Rooney, 3, Greg Taylor, 2, Bonabarasic, and 1, James Tavernier. That's, that's not too bad. That is not too bad. And also, we'll maybe talk about a couple of other players who didn't go in. We already talked about Jason Naismith, Marcus Fraser, somebody else as well. We mentioned Liam Smith. Somebody else, Jake Carroll, uh, came back to my little team this season. We had him yeah. in our top 12 last campaign. I think there's still a number of things he does very well, but the fact that he's just been kind of average for Motherwell this season since he's come back, I think if if he sticks around for Motherwell another campaign gets gets fit, <clears throat> I think he could easily jump back into our top 12 again. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, Brandon Hornstrup at uh, Killy is somebody who's, who stood out for a number of a number of kind of categories for for fullbacks where he's quite impressive, but he, he's just. The fact that he's played for a poor Kelly team probably hasn't helped. He, he makes some kind of daft mistakes in terms of his positioning and just kind of his general play at the back. But overall, definitely somebody that Kelly, <clears throat> Kelly can work with. And if Kelly have a competent team next season in the top flight, or even if it's in the, the lower tiers, I think Hornstrup could have a, have a very good campaign. Yeah, I watched, I watched him when we, doing, when we were doing the summer uh, signing podcast. I watched him and... Uh, Mitch Pinnock I thought Pinnock was it was absolutely terrible he's, he's turned out to be decent uh, whereas Hontrop I think there was, there was something there and he's he's kind of he's, he's hit a level that I thought he thought he would or had the impact that I thought maybe he would uh, one one I would like to mention is uh, when he signed off I thought no he's not going to be a good player but he's would you kind of just look at him 
But any time I've seen him, he's, he's actually quite uh, quite good. But he seems not have played as much. Forgive me, Motherwell fans, not not check this, but Nathan McGinley. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, yeah. I thought he's been okay as well when he's played, mm. but he's yeah. He's, he spent ages at the team. He's he's come back in for Carroll recently, which is kind of one of the the final reasons why I decided okay, Carroll's not making mm. the, the top twelve. Uh, but yeah, somebody else that's been uh, a player who's pretty good going forward as well, uh, for what I can remember uh, at the times I've seen him this season. Good crossing ability. Uh, doesn't look like I think when he first arrived, you kind of thought, right, left a back three, definitely don't play a wing back. But yeah. he's, actually, yeah. he's, he's actually looked better at wing back. He's kind yeah. of very kind of uncultured style about him, but it's it's effective. Uh, absolutely, I, I mentioned Lee Hodson as well. I think he's he's had spells during the season where he's looked he's looked really good, and especially going forward. But over the course of the season, I've not been too happy with players are dead. No chance. Right, Joe. Thank you very much for joining me once again. We'll be back either next week, week after, sometime in the, in the near future. Near future, the, yes. To do the top twelve centre backs. Uh, until and, then, sorry, what are you going to say? I just said I'll remember to actually number them next time. <laughs> yes, please, please. <laughs> Fucking clown. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to hear more for us, you can do via the Patreon. So Sean and Telfer are recording a Patreon. And uh, I've decided I'm going to stick that up on the £2 tier. So that's just £2 a month. And I mean, it's Sean and Telfer. So how long do you reckon they're going to go on for? If they go on for anything less than an hour and 45 minutes, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> I'd be wanting my money back. Well, there you go. You're going to probably get about two hours worth of glorious chat from the lower league experts, and it's I'm going to put in there. I'm going to be nice to all the patreons. It's going to be in the cheaper tier this time. So it's just two pound a month. I mean, how can you quibble with that? It's that podcast alone should be worth at least a fiver. So you're getting a bargain, absolute bargain. Terrace Pod, sorry, that's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, support us, help us get bigger and bigger and bigger, and more. And, and, and there's also some. Yeah, we've got some non. Some podcast-related news coming next week, but also we want to say as well, uh, thank you to everybody who's donated to the Kit for Kids initiative launched oh, by yeah. Duncan Mackay. Uh, we are now up to, I think, £5,500. £5,000 was the initial target, so we've passed that. That's great. But obviously, as many as possible, because, you know, kits, even if I think we've been able to agree a bit of a discount on the, on the first £5,000 worth, but um, even then, uh, kits aren't uh, cheap. Uh, so I think so far we would be able to get out a good few hundred children so far uh, but obviously, obviously you want to do as many as possible so please donate I donated earlier today uh, quite, quite a noticeable sum of money <laughs> if it had it not been paid I probably wouldn't have been as that generous but uh, I thought fuck it I'll go for it <laughs> uh, and so I, I've I've donated a large sum uh, and uh, but just give whatever you can um, he says just for no reason bigging himself up <laughs> look at me! Look at look at how <laughs> look, look at how generous I am! What a wanker! Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this podcast before I let my mouth run away any further. Joel, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.